Don't you love being in the house of God on Sunday night? This is always my favorite. I don't know why, but it's my favorite favorite uh, week service of the week. It really is. Brother Bryce, you and I face the same problem talking too fast. Now have Miss Candy do what Miss Elma does. When I'm talking too fast, she just sits and goes like this. I mean, slow down, slow down, slow down. So if you see Miss Candy doing that, uh, she's going after Brother Bryce. Don't you love talking about the Lord's return? Don't you love thinking about that? I think about his return every single day of my life. I can't wait to go home and just enjoy that song we start off with. We have a song here. By the way, take your Bible. I'll try to slow down here. Take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would, please. We'll go to that in just a minute. And as we're turning, would you sing a song with me, if you would? There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be there'll be no sorrows there no more burdens to bear no more sickness no pain no more parting over there and forever i will be with the one who died for me what a day glorious day that will be what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see and i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day Glorious day that will be. Just a few weeks ago, my brother, who pastors in Southern California, wrote another verse which is pretty appropriate today. There'll be no COVID there, no more mask we have to wear, no more mandates, no fines, no more distancing in lines, and forever we'll be free from this world's hypocrisy. What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen.
I'll read scripture off the screen. Read a verse with me. And I apologize to people on this side when I was sitting this up. I didn't realize I'm kind of blocking the screen when I stand at the pulpit. And so I'll try to move maybe out back from that if we can a little bit here, okay? Would you read the verse with me if you would please together? For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that she through his poverty might be rich. Tonight is a kind of an unusual message. I've never done one like this before. Uh, I'm not sure how it'll turn out, but my purpose in doing this tonight is just to honor and, and glorify the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you bow with me in prayer, please, if you would? Father, thank you for our time together tonight in this service. What a blessing it has been to sing the songs and to, to be with believers who love you. Lord God, I would ask you to fill me with your power, with your spirit, and speak to hearts through this simple message tonight. Lord God, we long for your return. We want to see you. Please come soon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One more verse with me, if you would please, together. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Tonight, I guess the question, the message would be, you are amazing. Say those three words with me. You are amazing. Now, if you would turn to somebody beside you and say the same three words again. One more time. I want to share some things about the human body that perhaps you don't know. You are amazing. You were designed and created by the Lord Jesus, our Creator and our Savior. Here's some things. We'll turn this into a quiz, and please participate if you would. It'll help us out. First of all, how many miles of capillaries do you have in your body? And this is the average uh, adult body. Would it be, number one, 360 miles, uh, 1,000 miles, or 62,000 miles? Your guess? Believe it or not. 62,000 miles in the average body. That's a lot of capillaries. How many times does your heart beat each day? A little over 100,000? 3 million? 29,000? Okay, number one, a little over 100,000 times a day, okay? How many red blood cells do you have in your body? 325 million? 680 million? 24 trillion? What do you say? Okay, number three, 24 trillion. That's a lot of blood cells, okay? How many neurons do you have in your brain? Obviously, some have more than others, okay? How many neurons do you have? Uh, three and a half million. 100 billion. 220 million. How about 100 billion brain cells, okay? Neurons in your body, okay? The DNA, DNA in your body would stretch the sun and back three times, 1,200 times. Or 400 times? Your guess? You correct? 400 times. That seems unbelievable, but that's what the scientists are saying. Okay? Each day your lungs breathe automatically about 23,000 times, about 60,000 times, or about 180,000 times. How about 23,000 times? Okay. The surface area of your lungs is almost that of a tennis court. Is that true or false? Hard to believe. That is true. And how many rod and cone cells in your retinas enable you to see? 127,000, 127 million, or 320 million? Okay, 127 million, okay? And then the final question here, how many cells in your entire body? 50 million, 600 billion, 100 trillion. Your guess? 100 trillion cells in your body. And as we know, we were designed and created by the Lord Jesus. By the way, when this body was designed, it was a perfect body, wasn't it? 
When the first human bodies were created, there was no cancer, no diabetes, no heart disease. And then sent into the world and brought disease with the world. But they, we were given a perfect body to begin with. What a blessing that is. Read these verses. Let's talk about who the Creator is tonight together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. John chapter 1. So who is our Creator? You know His name? His name is Jesus. These verses tell us it wasn't actually the Father that was creating. It was actually the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your Savior, but He also is your Creator. And we praise His name tonight. And another verse, if you would, with me together. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath He given to the children of men. So the Scripture tells us the heavens belong to God, but He gave earth to us. Let me ask you a question. What do you think it would take for a planet to hold life like ours does? There's certain criteria you have to meet. And if you, I'm going to give you just eight or ten of these. There's about 200 of these. And if you take one of these and change it slightly, suddenly there is no life on planet Earth. And by the way, we have been looking and looking and looking. How many planets have we found that would support life? There's only one. Folks, we've never located another planet that even has water on it, let alone oxygen, atmosphere, and all things are necessary for life. But to have life on a planet, here's what's required. Number one, the planet has to have a single star. Do we have that? Oh, yes, the sun. Now, many solar systems are what we call binary. They have two suns, and it creates a lot of uh, problems for those planets. So you go back and forth, back and forth. You would not want to live on a planet that had two suns. Secondly, the planet has to be a precise distance from that star. We're 93 million miles, give or take a few miles, from our sun. Now, Mars is only 50% further from the sun than the Earth, but temperatures dropped at 200 degrees below zero. The hottest day of the year is still 24 degrees below zero. And we've not found any water. Why? Why no water on Mars? God did not design Mars to support life. God gave us Earth and designed Earth to support life. Our Creator did. Secondly, Venus is only 28% closer to the sun than the Earth, but temperatures reach 850 degrees Fahrenheit. Would you like to live there? Walk outside with a plate, a plate of raw cookies. They'll be baked in less than two minutes. Okay? Uh, the atmospheric pressure is 88 times that of Earth, about 1,300 psi per square inch. Okay? Number three, the planet should have a circular orbit around the sun rather than an elliptical, and Earth has nearly circular orbit. Now, here's what's called an ellipsis. Now, you're not looking down on it. You're not looking from the side. I'm sorry. You're looking down on it. And let's place the Earth there. Now, if the sun was being uh, revolving, excuse me, if the planet Earth is revolving around the sun with an ellipsis, what would you see? Too cold? Too hot? Too cold? Too hot? Too cold? Too hot? Do you see the problem? And so God designing planet Earth made almost a perfect circular orbit around the sun, and so we don't have the temperature differential which would destroy life on planet Earth. God planned this thing very, very well, didn't he? Number four, temperatures on Earth must be consistent. The average temperature on Venus is 864 degrees. The average temperature on Mars is minus 80 degrees. Now, does anybody know, and please answer if you do, what is the average temperature on planet Earth? Does anybody know? We're talking worldwide. We're talking around the entire, the entire year. What is the average temperature on planet Earth? Somebody would like to take a guess. I'm sorry? You're very, very, very close. Slightly lower. Anybody want to finish it for her? What was it? 
You're a tiny, tiny bit too tall, too high. Too low. We're very close. You go in the wrong direction. We're very close, 58. Somebody say it, please. I haven't heard it. We're only one away from it. Somebody said 58. Finish it for me. We got it. Okay, give the man a hand. There it is. The average temperature on Earth is 59 degrees. When you figure it out, that is almost perfect for planet Earth for us to live here, isn't it? God planned it that way. Earth's atmosphere is 78% oxygen, excuse me, nitrogen, and 21% oxygen. Now, that was planned perfectly. Let me show you why. If you were to have the levels lower, lower just slightly, you couldn't light a fire. You couldn't cook your food. If the, lower, if the levels were raised slightly, you couldn't put out forest fires. God put it right in the middle where it works perfectly for us. Now, number six, Earth has exactly the right amounts of minerals in the soil for mankind's needs. Why did God place all these minerals in the soil? For us to consume and benefit from. Those are our nutrients. God planned it perfectly. The ozone layer, knocking down the ultraviolet rays to protect our planet Earth. God did that. Here's something I learned just recently. Jupiter acts as a vacuum cleaner. When a foreign body enters a solar system, Jupiter is 1,300 times as big as planet Earth, and so the gravity field there is incredible. And so here comes an asteroid, here comes a meteor, comes into the planet, and it's going to strike our planet. Jupiter says, no, step this way, and draws it away. Several hundred years ago in Arizona, there was a meteor that struck, and that crater that you see there is three-quarters of a mile across. Imagine if that thing struck in your backyard. Okay, but it's not going to do that, typically, because God sent Jupiter, and Jupiter protects us and keeps us clean. And then here, maybe one of the most important of all, there's abundant water on life on planet Earth. How many different planets have water? As far as we know, there are none except for planet Earth. Now, they estimate, I don't know where they got this, but they estimate that we have 326 quintillion gallons on Earth. Your personal share is only 44 billion gallons, so please be water-wise. Don't use more than your share of water. You only have 44 billion, okay, per person. Now, water is not just made for sea life. Water is, made, is there for every form of life, plant life, human life, animal life. We all need water. Now, the interesting thing about water, when water freezes, it contracts and gets smaller and smaller to a certain temperature. And I don't know what the temperature is, but a certain temperature reverses and starts expanding and expanding. Before long, it is expanded more than the other water. It floats, and that preserves life on Earth uh, with the water there. I'm saying this. God planned Earth for us, and that's why things are planned so perfectly. Read the verse again, if you would, together. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth has it given to the children of men. Now, we've talked about what, some of the things in our human body. We've talked about our solar system. Let's talk about the universe for this moment. Read our verses one more time together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. And the world knew him not. Your creator is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine that um, you could plan, you could travel a thousand miles for a penny. I'll try to give you a scale of how big our universe really is, and we can even attempt that. But let's say you have a very efficient rocket ship. You can travel a thousand miles for one penny. What would it cost you to make one trip around the earth? 25 cents. You're traveling very efficiently here, a thousand miles for a penny. 
What would it cost you to make a one-way trip to the moon, 240,000 miles? A trip to the moon would cost you $2.40. What would it cost you to go to the sun one way? 93 million miles. 93 million miles one way, a penny per thousand miles, would cost you $930. What would it cost you to go to Alpha Centauri one way? Now, Alpha Centauri is the closest star system to us, not the farthest one. We don't know where the farthest one is. But Alpha Centauri is the closest star system to us. Traveling a 1,000 miles for a penny, that trip would cost you $260 million. That give you the idea we're looking at a big solar system here, a big, a big universe, aren't we? The Bible tells us the heavens declare the glory of God, and that's for real. Now, the astronomers tell us the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. If you had a powerful flashlight, turn on that flashlight to shine around the world, the beam of the flashlight would go around the earth seven times in less than a second. That is traveling fast, amen? Now, traveling the speed of light, how long would it take you just to cross the Milky Way? Not 120 years. Traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, it would take you just across the Milky Way, it would take you 120,000 years. That's a big solar system. That's a big galaxy, isn't it? The astronomers are telling us the Milky Way, they can, are estimating here, contains more than 400 billion stars. They're telling us it also contains more than 50 billion planets, and they're estimating there's more than 100 billion galaxies. If that's true, that means there's more than 400 billion billion stars. Here's an amazing verse. Read it with me. He telleth the number of the stars. He called them all by their names. The word tell means to count. When you go to the bank and make a deposit, you don't give your money to a counter. You give your money to a teller. The word tell means to count. And the Bible tells us the Lord Jesus Christ who created this universe knows exactly how many stars he created. He has them numbered, and he, all, he knows them by name. 400 billion billion stars, perhaps, and he knows them all by name. I'm saying this, we have a wonderful creator, don't we? He is incredible. This is beyond belief. But the God who created this universe left heaven and came to earth to die in your place and my place. One day he went outside the city of Jerusalem up to the Mount of Olives, went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Notice what he prayed, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When Jesus finished praying, came out of the garden. He's met by a band of soldiers carrying clubs and spears and torches led by the traitor Judas Iscariot. You know the story. Judas kissed Jesus. The soldiers took Jesus and bowed his hands and took him to stand before some religious leaders. Those religious men kept Jesus up all night long, asking questions, mocking, laughing, making fun of him. They'd walk over and spit in his face, strike in his face. Here is human beings. Here are human beings. Strike the Savior, the Creator, in the face. What audacity. audacity. You know the story. He went to stand before Pontius Pilate. Pilate condemned him to be scourged. The Bible tells us they scourged Jesus. Not if you've ever seen that described, but they used what was called the flagrum, a whip with nine leather lashes. Every time the soldier brought that whip down across the back of Jesus, it, it left nine welts across his back. At various places in the lashes, there were chunks of lead. There were sharp pieces of lead or flint or bone sharpened. They were nearly as, as sharp as razor blades. And every time that whip came down and was drawn back, it cut Jesus' back open nine more places. We believe he brought that whip down 39 separate times across the back of the Savior. Multiply 39 times 9. 
You find that the back of Jesus was cut open 351 different times. In fact, the scourging is so, so brutal. Many times a person will fall down and die right there in the chains just from the scourging alone because they lost so much blood so rapidly. When they finished scourging Jesus, they untied his hands. And just to mock him, make fun of him, put a scarlet robe around his back, a crown of thorns upon his head. Have you ever visualized what the crown of thorns would feel like? They placed that crown of thorns on Jesus' head, took a reed, and began to beat on that stick on the, on the crown to drive those thorns into his face all the way to his skull. The pain was unbearable. Here's the creator of the universe staying there to take the punishment for you and for me. Why? Because of his love for us. What a savior. They spit in his face. They ripped the beard from his face. The Bible tells us they covered his eyes with a blindfold one by one. The soldiers come by and just deck him, slug him in the face as hard as they could, and then laugh and say, prophesy, who smote you? Human beings striking God in the face. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, willingly laid down on a cross. The Bible tells us in John that he laid down his life for you and for me. Here's the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, could have spoken one word and destroyed the entire universe, but he stays on the cross. The stikes are driven through his hands and through his feet. That cross is lifted to a vertical position. In that position, Jesus cannot even breathe. He pushes up with his feet and piles up with his hands to take a breath. He falls back down when he can't stay longer, puts up for another breath. I'm saying this, crucifixion was horrendous. It was so painful. And my Savior, the Creator, was willing to stay in my place. His body was taken from the cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days and three nights. His disciples and friends wept. They didn't understand why he had to die. Remember what happened when three days and three nights had passed? Sealed in that tomb, a guard of her own soldiers for three days and three nights. But when three days and three nights passed, he had victory over the grave, came alive again, and he's alive tonight. Early on a Sunday morning, those ladies go down to the tomb. One stops and says, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't put spices. How are we going to move the stone? How can we open the tomb? We can't do this. They got close. They saw the stone was open. The tomb was open. The stone rolled to one side of the door. An angel dressed in shining white. Ladies, what are you doing here? And they say, we're, lo we're looking for J Jesus of Nazareth. Remember the angel's answer? He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. The Lord Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, one day soon we're going home. We're going to be in him and be in his presence forever. Read the verses with me. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The glory of God the Father. Our purpose tonight is simply to, is to magnify the name of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Read the verse with me a final time. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Would you stand with me and sing together? Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. 
bringing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood hallelujah what a savior lifted up was he to die it is finished was his cry now in heaven exalted high hallelujah what a savior when he comes our glorious king all his ransomed home to bring then anew this song will sing hallelujah what a savior could i ask you just to be seated please and bow your heads for just a moment I'm not going to give an invitation, but would you just bow your head before the Lord and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you. When you think of what Jesus did for us, he's the king of the universe. And he took our sins upon his own body, died in our place. Our response should be gratitude. Lord, I'll serve you because you died in my place. For the price of you, come, please, sir, and conclude our service, please, sir. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for little feet in the house of God. Thank you so much for giving us this day to worship you, God. It has been good to be in your house today. God, I pray for this man that preached tonight, God. I pray a special blessing on his home, his family, him and his wife, God, as they go week in and week out preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, spreading the good news, Father. We know that as they go out into this world, this world is not ready to receive the message of you, Father. It never has been. We know that the world hateth you and that it'll hate your message until you come back. But Father, thank you that you've been given a name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. God, I pray that we are busy about your business until you return. God, I pray for each and every member and each and every visitor to Anchor of Hope, God, all that enter onto this property, God, I pray that you bless them for their heart and desire to come and worship you, God. I pray that you be with our people as we go out into the highways and hedges this week. Bring us back safely at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen.